lots of conferences. And um, the Lord, he, he was working my life in, in an amazing way. To some, maybe a confusing way, but very clear to me. And um, I got saved when I was six years old. That's when I prayed. That's been my testimony for 31 years. On Wednesday night of last week, I understood what I was doing. I've never doubted over the last years like I was unsaved. I didn't feel like I was living a fake life. There were times where doubts came and I would look at them. And I would say to those doubts, I would evaluate my life and I would be able to maybe isolate a sin or something that was going on in my life. And between that prayer that I had prayed and the sin, I would say, this is what's going on. And I would get that sin right and I would move forward. But when we got to that, well, a couple weeks ago, one of those incidents occurred here at church. And I couldn't isolate anything, but I just moved forward. Couldn't isolate a sin to point to. But then when we got to the conference on Monday, I don't think there was a single salvation message preached the whole week. But on Monday night, the Lord convicted my heart. And I heard words that I had never heard before. The words that pastor often says you need to listen for. Steve, you need to get saved. Tuesday morning, they're teaching on how to run a church in a rural environment. And I'm being convicted about being saved. And I didn't even think about this till this morning. The guys had been noting just in conversation that in every service, they were just lifting Jesus' name up, and when his name is lifted up, he draws people to him. Tuesday night, more preaching. Wednesday morning, more preaching. In every service, I'm more confused and convicted to a certain degree. Wednesday night comes, and Brother Ross gets up, and he's preaching about Elijah. He's preaching about how Elijah was a man who stood up. He was either there, and he was talking about the different types of prophets. There could be counterfeit prophets. There could be courageous prophets. There could be cowardly prophets. And he's talking about Elijah, and I just know that there's, in, there's, there's this desire inside of me. It's been there as long as I can remember, a desire to please the Lord and want to serve the Lord and just be used by him. But the whole time I'm thinking, or I hear this voice in my head, Steve, you, that's great, you want to be used, but I can't use you until you're saved. So the time comes where we would maybe normally take a restroom break, and he says, we're not going to do that tonight. It's Wednesday night service. He said, we're just going to have a special, and we're going to get right into the service. And the special gets up, and they start singing, and, and I'm praying, literally my head bowed in my, my hands, and I'm praying, Lord, I'm going to put out a fleece like Gideon right now, and I just want you to make it clear to me. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, but make it clear. And Brother Bob Gray gets up, and he starts preaching this message about how the Lord had to take his cup, and he had to take that cup. He had to be willing to accept it, and it was about going through struggle and trial. Again, it wasn't a message about salvation. But point after point after point, I heard those same words. Steve, you need to get saved. Steve, you need to get saved. And about three-quarters way through the message, I'm crying. And just, I know what has to be done in my life. And then they get to the end of the, the message, and he's opening up. He's talking about how music is so important in our lives. And he's just randomly flipping through a hymnal and he comes to this song the haven arrest i anchor my soul 
I knew it had to be anchored. So I asked Josh to excuse me. He was sitting next to me. And I sat next down to Pastor, who was praying. Sorry to interrupt you there. I didn't think about that. But And I told him, I said, Pastor, I need to get saved. And it's not really a matter of having to talk me out of it because I know what I need to do. That's what happened on Wednesday night. I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I know even I immediately think, well, what about the last years? But as clear as, as, clear as the Lord said, Steve, you need to be saved. He said to me, Steve, you've been walking alongside me all these years. You just haven't been walking with me. It's easy to live a principled Christian life. Not easy. It's not easy to live a Christian principled life, but you can do it. Live by principle. I've preached many messages where people have been saved, and but I was just talking about a book. I was using his words. But on that evening, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, without any hesitancy, I surrendered my life to God. And... Um, I'm so thankful for his grace and mercy in my life. Amen. Would I have gone to hell if I died last week? Absolutely. But God didn't let me. He was gracious to me. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful for my church body. Thankful for my pastor. And uh, I'm excited for what the Lord's doing in my life. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Give him a hand. Amen. You know, a situation like that, obviously, uh, I know a little bit about those situations. But, um, you know, sometimes, or no, every time, they seem to present more questions than answers, don't they? And uh, the one thing I know is that Brother Steve uh, is an honest man. He never was being dishonest. I know that for a fact. And uh, now we know he's a humble man. Because it took a humble man to do what he did. And again, if you're secure and you're safe in your salvation, then praise the Lord. Hold on to that thing. Don't allow anyone or anything to shake that. And you say, well, man, he thought he was saved too. Yeah, well, he did. But remember this. And I always tell people this, and I learned this about 11 years ago. Satan may try to tempt you to doubt your salvation, but he will never tell you to get saved. And if you're, you know, the Bible says, if we seek him early, we'll find him. If, if you're on the right path and your heart is to find the Lord and to be close to him, you're not going, don't, don't let that shake you. You just keep on course and you stay steady. And if God has to deal with you, he will deal with you because it is a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship. This isn't about Steve and the church. This isn't about Steve and his wife and family. This isn't about Steve and his pastor. This is about Steve and God. You know what? That's all you have to worry about. Yes. You and God, that's it. Just be obedient to the Lord. And when the Lord told him to get saved, he said, well, okay, I can do one of two things. I can say, no, there's no reason why I should have to do that. Forget you. I, don't, I know what I've done. I know what I did at six years of age, and I'm not going to listen to that. Wait, I'm, that ain't the devil telling you to get saved, friend. you got one of two things to do. You either obey God or you don't. 
I think I'm not taking a chance with my soul for anybody. Matter of fact, I know. I've been there where he's at. And so, I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him. And uh, I know you are too. Let's go ahead. And someone says, and, and may I just say this, someone may say, well, man, that means that he's been on staff. That means that he's been through Bible college. That means that he's not been saved. Well, then that means he's a novice, so he doesn't belong in that position. Can I say it this way? And, can I, and I'm just going to be as frank as I can be. If God could use Steve to do what he's done being unsaved, what's he going to do with him now that he is saved? I don't think we need to worry about that. We'll let the Lord lead us on that. I haven't heard God tell me to drop him yet. <laughs> and so I think we'll just go ahead and support him and encourage him, and we'll just go along, won't we? But praise God that he was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's all you and I, any one of us needs to do, is just be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Well, praise God. Josh, come sing for us, would you?
Well, I'm glad there's power in his name. Amen. That's good. Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to move quickly today. We have a baptism. Genesis chapter 32. Just take just a few moments, and again, you'll notice that the message is really only about two pages, so you're very fortunate today. <laughs> that means nothing. You know that, don't you? Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 21. Let's go ahead and begin reading there. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 21. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night, and took his two wives, and his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. He said unto him, What is thy name? He said, Jacob. I want you to note that verse 26. He said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. I was in the ninth grade, and that was a, a very um, transitional year for me. In our day, when I went to school, the 7th through ninth graders were in one place. Today, a lot of times, schools have kind of combined, and sometimes they may even have 7 through 12, and they try to separate them somewhat in the, 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 the geographic like kind of locations of the school. But in those days, we had a separate school for 7th through ninth. Ninth is, of course, still high school, but in our case, it was considered middle school or junior high. Boy, I'll tell you what, that ninth grade year was always a tough year. Uh, it seemed that if kids were going to do bad in their grades, it was ninth grade. I mean, we were the rule in the school, and we were the big guys on campus, you know. And So ninth grade came along, and I decided that in ninth grade, I would wrestle. And I hadn't wrestled before that. Ninth grade was the first year I ever wrestled. And um, I remember going to practices uh, night after night and trying to learn the, the art of wrestling. And, and of course, uh, you know, it took a lot of practice and it took a lot of work. And that's all right. You know, I wasn't, well, take that back. I really didn't like working that awfully hard, to be frank with you. And uh, I didn't. I really didn't. Matter of fact, I didn't really try to get too good a shape. I just thought I was like Mr. I was Superman or Batman or I was Spider-Man already. I was already an amazing athlete in my mind. And so I didn't think I needed all that mess. You know, I'm just going to jump on the mat and I'm going to pin people and tap them out, that kind of thing. You know, I, I got this, you know. Well, I got in there and realized I have to work at this. And so I, I worked a little bit, I, I must admit. But I've told you stories where I was out of shape and wrestling that year. But I remember going to West Junior High. 
And there at West Junior High, when I uh, uh, walked onto the mat, I met a guy there. He was a little shorter than me, but he was built like a tank. I mean, his arms were huge. He looked like he was about 40 years old, but he was a junior higher. The tattoos went from here. No, not really, but anyway. <laughs> so this guy gets onto the mat, and I look at him like, man, that dude's pretty big looking. And, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, show him I'm pretty big, you know. <laughs> Wasn't working too good. But anyway, the, the referee, he started us off, you know, and the whistle blew. And, well, we locked horns, you know. And I knew right then it's going to be a long night. But I was wrong about that. It wasn't a long night. <laughs> I mean, to tell you, this guy got me in a hold, and he got his arm around my waist at one point because we eventually had to go down to the, 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 the sitting. You, in wrestling, you know, you got a couple stands, and one of them's like this. And so I was on the bottom, and he was on top because he had taken me down. And he puts his arm around me, and he's got here. He wraps me up like that. And I mean to tell you, when he wrapped me up like that, he took my breath away. He was so strong. It was like I was in the grip of a, of, of a steel man. I couldn't break it. I was trying to sit out. I was trying to stand up. I was trying to do everything you can possibly do to get away from your opponent. But it wasn't working. His arm was locked. I mean, it was locked. And he was strong as an ox. I resorted to, would you let me go? <laughs> but you know something? He didn't let go. Jacob didn't let go. And, and I, I may tell you the rest of the story a little later, but the fact is that this guy had a grip that was unbelievable. And in our passage today, we have a young a, a man here who now has a, a, a couple of wives, and he has a bunch of children, and he's on his way back from Laban, his father-in-law's, and he's bringing the spoil of the land with him, and he's sent them ahead of him to his brother Esau, who long before that he had deceived and who he had had truly hurt desperately, and he's trying to win his brother back by giving him everything he, he actually had, had raised or had gotten as he, when he was gone. I mean, 20 years Jacob's been gone. 20 years Jacob's been serving Laban, his father-in-law. 20 years he's seen his cattle increasing and his wealth maximizing, and now he's headed back finally, and he sends his family in groves or his servants in groves, and he sends them one and two and three, and every time they meet Esau, they're saying, hey, listen, Jacob, your servant's coming. He wants you to have these things to show you that he just, he, he wants peace with you. He loves you. And he wants to restore the relationship that was broken when he left. And boy, now all of a sudden he's got just his family, him and his family. And we pick up the story where we left off. So went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night and his two, uh, took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jagbach. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there the Bible says, at that point, he wrestled with a man. And boy, I mean, he wrestled and he wrestled and he just could not. Uh, he, it was the Lord. It was God he was wrestling with. And the Bible tells us that Jacob got a hold of God that night. He wrestled a man with him, the Bible says. He got a hold of God that night. And not only did he get a hold of God, but he held on to God. The Bible says, until the breaking of the day. 
It's bad enough that you get into the clutches of an opponent and the match may last for so many minutes, but to think to wrestle or to hold somebody all night long like that to the breaking of the day, this was a determined man. He had gotten a, a hold of God and he, was, and he held on to him for dear life. And the Bible even goes on to say, ultimately, that when he saw he prevailed not against him, Jacob would not let go of God. Can you imagine? He says to him, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And Jacob says, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Nuh-uh, I'm not letting you go. You gotta bless me. How bad do you want a blessing today? How bad do you want a blessing? See, if you want a blessing from God, you must get a hold of Him. You got to hold on to Him and you can't let go of Him. What about you this morning? How bad do you want a blessing? I mean, maybe you want a family member saved. You want them to escape the flames of hell. You don't want them to spend one moment or take one breath in that eternal inferno. And, and you want a blessing from God. You want them saved. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. Possibly your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your home is crumbling. Your faith is waning. Maybe your children are rebellious and have gone astray. Maybe your faith is weak or quickly fading. Maybe your job may be lost at any time. Possibly your friends have betrayed you. Your joy's been lost. Maybe just in general your world's falling apart around you. Let me ask you today, how bad do you want a blessing? See, the key to receiving blessings is found in our passage. We've got to get a hold of God we got to hold on to him. And we can't let go. Do you know we're saved by getting a hold of God? In a sense. I know he gets a hold of us, obviously. But you know what? In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to call upon him. You better get a hold of him. Don't let go of him. I mean, yeah, think about the fact that we're sanctified by this aspect of prayer. Getting a hold of God. I mean, we're separated unto him by prayer. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You got to get a hold of God. Oh God, I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to give myself. I'm going I'm to uh, present myself to you. We're supplied through this aspect of prayer or getting a hold of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. It's not really the passage I wanted to share with you. 
Knocking it shall be open. It's asking it shall be given you. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. That's what I wanted to read to you. It's in chapter 7 too. Everything, anything good in your life and mine is a result of getting a hold of God. You realize that? I mean, we have got to get a hold of God. And then the Bible tells us we've got to hold on to Him, and then we've got to not let go of Him. Let's be honest. We don't pray like we ought to pray. Well, how do we communicate with God? How do we get a hold of God? How do we reach out to God? How do we actually contact God and have communion with God and fellowship with God? We have to, we have to get a hold of Him. We got to hold on to Him and then we got to not let go of Him. And we do that by reaching out through prayer primarily. You want a blessing today? You're not going to get a, have a, the blessings that you really want just by going to the local community college and getting a degree. Well, if I just had a better education, my life would be better and I'd be blessed. Okay. Go ahead and work on that a while and see how it turns out for you. See if that education makes your family sweet, your home life better. You say, oh, it'll be great because I'll finally have money. Well, why don't you talk to a few people that have it and see how happy they are without Jesus. I'm just saying we can go ahead and play this game and we can pretend somehow that everything's fine. But I'm telling you, until we get a hold of God, until we hold on to Him, until we get to the place where we say, I won't let go. I want a blessing, God. How bad do you want a blessing? I want you to notice something about this. Look at, look at Luke chapter 18. We have a perfect example of somebody that said, you know what, I'm going to get a hold of God and I'm going to hold on to him and I'm not going to let go of him until he blesses me. Look at this widow here in Luke chapter 18. Excuse me, this. Look at this widow here in chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. We don't have any of those in our culture, do we? And there was a widow in that city. Now when we think about a widow, let's face it. In this particular instance, in this case, especially as we consider the Old Testament, we know that this widow probably had no means this widow was in bad shape. This widow was just fighting for her very existence in life. They didn't have public assistance and they didn't have all the, 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 the uh, opportunities that people have today to have food and clothing and shelter. It wasn't like that in those days. This woman was desperate. This woman had great need. Sounds a lot like us spiritually, doesn't it? And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, 
Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Obviously, she was having a real issue that had to be addressed, and it had to be addressed legally. This particular judge, unwilling to hear her out, had no compassion on her, had no concern for her at all. But before it was over with, he says, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. I don't want to have to hear from her again. She's driving me nuts. She's always knocking at my door. She's always calling to me from the street. She's always in my office. She won't give me a moment's rest. What did this unjust judge do? He granted her a blessing. We serve the just God. A very just God. We serve the creator God. We serve a God who genuinely cares for us and desires the best for us. If this particular widow who had no position whatsoever in relationship to culture and society, she was a nobody and nothing, and this judge had no concern and no regard for her and her situation, if she could get a blessing and a result from this man, how much more do you think that you and I, being the children of the king, could call out to daddy and give him to give us a blessing if we just hold on? And not let go. This widow wouldn't let go until she was blessed. It's interesting to note how this particular encounter affected Jacob as well. Let's consider a few things that it did in his life. Look, if you will, in our text again. Go back to Genesis chapter 32. We're going to go past where we read even, and we're going to look at how it affected him. Genesis chapter 32. Notice verse 31. 32, 31, Genesis. The Bible says, well, let's go back just a little bit. And as he passed, verse 31, let's just go there. And as he passed over Penuel... The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. See, back in verse 25, the Bible says, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So during the course of this wrestling match, Jacob will not let go. He, he, he touches him and shrivels up the sinew in his leg to where he can't function. He can't walk properly. He hurt him. He hurt him. I mean, Jacob's locking horns with God. Jacob's requesting a blessing. Jacob's demanding a blessing. I'll not let you go till you bless me. And the Lord, he, he hurts him. Boy, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? You know what I see from this, though? Jacob leaves the presence of God, and he's going like this.
You know what we learn? Is that when you and I get a hold of God, when we hold on to God and we don't let go, it will affect your walk. What I mean is it'll affect your lifestyle. Don't judge me, preacher. Don't judge me. You don't know what my walk with God is. You don't know how close me and the Lord are. Well, how's your walk? Can we see it? Do we see your walk? How faithful are you in God's house? How faithful are you in God's word? How faithful you are to obey his commands? How faithful are you to live according to the word of God? How's it affecting your walk? Oh, I'm close to Jesus. I, I get a hold of him and I hold on to him and I don't let go till he blesses me, preacher. Yeah, but how's come it is I see you guzzling a bottle of beer? How's come it is I see you smoking your cigarettes and going out and cussing and drinking with the boys? How's come it is that you can't treat your wife with respect, sir? How's come it is, ma'am, you can't obey your husband? What's wrong today in our lives when we say we've met with God but we don't walk different? Something wrong with that, my friend. According to the word of God, when you get a hold of him, when you hold on to him, and when you don't let go of him, it affects your walk. How's your walk today? Is there evidence that you've gotten a hold of him and kept a hold of him and stayed a hold of him? Hey, you can start off good. But then all of a sudden, see, the walk gets a little bit smoother. It gets kind of like the world's now. Boy, it looks just like the world's. At one point, you did hold on to him. At one point, you were getting the blessings of God in your life. At one point, your walk was different, but now it looks just like everybody else's. It'll affect your walk, verse 31. It'll affect your lifestyle. Number two, notice what else. Look at verse 27 and 28. And he said unto him, What is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. We get a hold of God, we hold on to God, and we don't let go. It'll affect your name. What it means, it'll affect your testimony. And people are going to notice there's a difference in your life. They're going to say, man, now that man right there, that woman right there, there's a difference. They, they got a testimony for God. Kind of goes along with that walk, don't it? What's your testimony at work? What's your testimony at school, young people? What's your testimony on Facebook? What's your testimony on social media? What's your testimony among your family and your friends? Does that say, man, that is a man, that is a woman that has gotten a hold of God, that holds on to God and never lets go of God? Or is it, eh, a lot like me? They're all right. They're a good guy, good gal. Tonight you come back. I'm going to preach a message called Good Versus Godly. Good versus Godly tonight. I contend with you today that we are content to be good instead of what God demands of us to be godly. And I think that's why we're losing our young people today. 
And that's why we're losing our adults today, because we are good, but we are not godly. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. But what about your testimony? I'll tell you what, Jacob's testimony was different. His name was changed. He's no longer Jacob. He's Israel. Not only that, but when you get a hold of God, you hold on to God and you don't let go, not only will it affect your walk and affect your name, but it will affect your family. Notice in verse 28 again, chapter 32, verse 28, it says, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. You keep holding on to God, sir. You keep holding on to God, ma'am. Let me tell you something. It'll affect your family. Notice his name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. You know what Israel uh, kind of points to? It points to the fact that he's the beginning of a nation. That he has, going, he has these, he's, these 12 sons, and at this point he had 11, but he's going to have 12 sons, and they're going to represent the nation. His entire family his, is going to be affected by his time with God. When's the last time you were burdened so greatly that you said, you know what, I'm going to get a hold of God. I'm going to hold on to God, and I'm not going to let go of God till he blesses me. My child's out there. My wife's out there. My husband's out there. My, my heart's out there. Other people I know are in desperate need. There's financial needs. There's emotional needs. There's, there's all kinds of needs. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I won't let go till you bless me. I promise you that will affect your family. It was the last time you prayed and fasted. I'm, listen, when you get a hold of God, you hold on to God and you don't let go, it'll affect your walk, your lifestyle. It'll affect your name, your testimony. It'll affect your family. And you know what? Finally, it'll affect your future. Look in verse 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. My life's preserved. He's got a future. He's going to make it. It's going to be all right. Well, we got an epidemic of despair in our country, an epidemic of depression. Man, I'm going to tell you something. If you can just get a hold of God, if you will just hold on to Him, if you will just not let go of God, I promise you, you won't be in the depths of despair all the time. You'll have a future and you'll know it. I'm miserable preacher. I don't even... I don't even know why I get out of bed in the morning. I don't even know. I almost don't care if I get hit by a truck. I just don't even know if I want to live anymore. There are times where there are chemical imbalances. There are. I'm not going to sit and say there aren't. Stand and say there aren't. But hold on. I think more than not, it isn't a physical thing. I think it's a spiritual thing. I really do. 
Oh, we've bought into the lies, you know. We believe somehow that it's all has to do with this. It, this. Let me tell you something. Jacob had a future. You want to know why? God. He met with God. And God made it clear to him, it's going to be all right. And you're going to be just fine. You just keep on going, friend. And I tell you what, you can face problems when you've got God on your side. You can face issues and circumstances and difficulties when you know God's beside you. Get a hold of God. Hold on to God and don't let go of God. That's what Jacob did. When he did, it affected his walk, his lifestyle. It affected his name, his testimony. It affected his family. And it affected his future. How bad do you want a blessing today? How bad? I, I'm, just, I'm just asking the question, how bad? You say, I want it bad. I want it bad. I want a blessing bad. Forgot to tell you one thing. Look, if you would, in verse 24. I'll just close by saying this simple, presenting this simple thought, and I may tell you the end of the story. Notice what it says in verse 24. Jacob, well, make it 23. Nah, make it 24. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him. If you really want God's blessing to the fullest, you're going to have to get alone with him. It's not going to come in corporate prayer, corporate worship. Don't misunderstand me. God does great things in our lives and services. We, we had evidence of it just here in a moment ago. But, but hold on, can I, can I tell you something? That's what wasn't what was going on in the service. That was going on in a heart. Somebody may have been around a lot of people, but I promise you, that wrestling match was going on alone. You have to get with God alone. Notice, though, verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Getting alone means you're going to have to, you're, you're going to, have to get alone on purpose. He sent them. He actually said to his wife, honey, wives I should say, <laughs> honeys, daddy needs to get alone with God. This ain't time for me and you. This ain't time for me and the kids. This ain't time for work. This ain't time for coffee, a donut, or reading the newspaper. This is time to meet God, to get a hold of God, to hold on to God, and not let go of Him. You got to make time to get alone with God. And you've got to make sure that the circumstance is set. You have to take steps to make that happen in your life. You want, how much do you want a blessing? Are you willing to identify a time where you're going to meet with him daily? Are you willing to in, put him in the schedule? 
Not just hope that time avails itself, not just hope that you get home from work in time, but literally say, this is the time I meet with God because I'm not going to let him go. It costs something to get a hold of God. It costs something to hold on to him. And it costs something to never let him go. I couldn't get away from that, that, that guy. I couldn't get away from him for nothing in the world. I mean, he had a grip like iron. And um, I got pinned within a minute. I, I know every rafter in that building. I left that place embarrassed. Determined. Man, I mean to tell you, I... That summer when it got a little warmer out, we got the weights in the garage and I started lifting weights. Of course, you have seen the product for years now. (laughs) And I was lifting weights and doing all that stuff. And I made up my mind, that will never happen to me again. I know it will never be that outmatched physically. It was funny, as a a sophomore in high school, 10th grader, I went out for the wrestling team, and it happened to be a, a match, and I uh, walked out onto the mat, and guess who walked up? It was him again. And I thought, I've been waiting for this one. And what's the likelihood he'd still be the same way? What's the likelihood we'd be wrestling one another? But we did. Man, that match lasted the whole time. Nobody was pinned in that match. I'm going to be honest with you, I lost. But I didn't get pinned. In his case, I lightened his grip a little bit. He didn't feel strong to me anymore. That was a victory for me. You get a hold of God. You get a hold of God. It's going to change your life. I told you the end of the story because it has nothing to do with the message. Just because I knew you were wondering what happened. <laughs> but it's, don't you think it's time that we get a hold of God? In the world we live in, the country we live in, the families and the, the circumstances we find ourselves in today. Don't you want a blessing? If you do, you're going to have to get a hold of him. And you have to hold on to him. And you can't let him go. It's really not that bad. <laughs> you get a hold of him, man. I want to encourage you to decide to get a hold of him today and then not to let go of him. Let's make up our minds we want a blessing from God. I mean a blessing. Identify what it is you need from God today. And then you need to go to God and say, God, I'm going to bother you like that, old, that widow woman did. She may not have been old even. I'm going to bother you like that widow woman did because I want a blessing. I'm going to get a hold of you. I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm not going to let go of you until I get that blessing. I'm not letting go. What is it that you need God to do in your life today? Will you be inconvenienced to say, I'll not let go?
I'll set a time. I'll make sure it's scheduled. I'm going to be in your face every single day, God. Because I want a blessing. Father, we come to you.